I'm Tiffany, uh, she, they. I'm our director of our kids and our youth, and I help with our college and some justice things and various things of churchy faith community life. So I'm really glad that you're here. So I'm gonna give you some things so you know what's gonna happen today. First, um, today is a really important special day. Today is Affirming Sunday. Woo! Also, fun fact, I have 18 years in youth ministry, so if you're like, what, why are we cheering? That's why. You, you are just grown youth, and some of you are youth. Um, today is Affirming Sunday. So what Affirming Sunday is, it's the first Sunday of Pride, um, which that is this month. You can also cheer for Pride. Um, also, I'll let you know, that's the last time I'm gonna like, invite you to cheer unless you just want to on your own. So the introverts, you can breathe. It'll be okay. Um, Affirming Sunday is this nationwide movement that also has some international people joining us um, that essentially is, you know, like when you go to a website and you're like, find the gay churches or the queer churches or affirming churches. It's a group of people who run those websites who are like, hey, we need to do more than just be a database. We need to be a celebration moment for all the affirming churches to come together because we believe everyone deserves a space to not just be tolerated, but to be affirmed and loved. And so we decided this Sunday is wit. And so it's not just us but it is a bigger movement of people showing up in church um, and churches saying, guess what? We love you. We've always loved you. And you are not just tolerated here, but you are affirmed fully as you are. So that is what today is. And so if no one has ever told you before, you are loved and you have always been loved. You are deeply loved as you are. Um, it is not a, you have to put a certain piece of yourself to the side. Um, you belong. We have always belonged. Um, so part of my faith journey also is being a part of the queer community in spaces where I was invited to speak, um, but not fully be in leadership. And I will tell you here at Grace Point, whether that's online or in person, uh, like that is not an issue at all. It is not just a space where on this Sunday, we're like, we put all the queer people in front with our token straight person, which is Amanda, by the way. Um, <laughs> We have a lot of allies in the space. Um, <laughs> so it is not just a one-time moment where we're like, hey, we should put gay people in front. Uh, we, that is not how this works. And so um, if there's questions about what Grace Point believes, we believe that every person is invited into all the spaces, including leadership, um, which is really cool. And so we celebrate that. And so the other thing I'm gonna give you is that, you know, when we come to church, there's a lot of expectations of what that is and what that means, and even if you want to call it church or not. And here's what I'm going to tell you for today. You are invited to sit and to be and just be here. There is no expectation. Um, if you are a person that this is your first time, whether it's in person or online, you are beloved and you have always belonged, and like we claim you. You can claim us if you want. Um, but like you are loved and welcomed. If you're a person who's been here through the whole journey of Grace Point or anything in between, like you are just as loved as you were before you got here. Um, there's no, there's no like scale on love or any type of things like that. Like you belong. And so from a pastoral leadership space, I'm telling you for my position, like you have always been okay. You have always been loved and you're actually way more than okay 
you are absolutely, absolutely loved and created in the image of God and love. And so point blank, you're enough. And I'm glad you're here. So the other thing I'm going to tell you is guess what? This is not a Bible study. Um, So I, yeah, we're going to talk about some things. I'm going to invite you to question in your head. If you want to talk out loud, you can. That's fine. Um, But today we're talking about wonder. We're talking about imagination. We're talking about questions. And in this space, that also means I don't have answers for you. I have some answers, and they may be answers for you, but they are not answers for everyone in every journey of their faith um, or every season of their life. And it's okay for you to not have answers. And that's the space we're going in today, okay? So if we're gonna get started with wonder, we're gonna define imagination first, okay? So on your screen, we have a definition for imagination. Imagination is the faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. It's exactly what the kids said. The things in your head that are not real, not in front of you, okay? It's this idea of forming new ideas, which is really important. Imagination is not just holding on to concepts or things people have told you in your head and letting it roll around. Imagination is action. Imagination invites us into something new. And then when we shift to wonder, and this is where we're going to land, hopefully, wonder, a feeling of surprise, mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. Wonder is not just another word for imagination. Wonder is this space where we get to be surprised by something beautiful, something like awe-inspiring, anything like that. The other part of wonder is a lot of what our kids were talking about, which is, I wonder if. So it's almost this space of doubt, but not doubt in the really negative um, place that we tend to find ourselves, like I'm doubting the world or if God exists or what. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about this space where could it be better? I wonder if. Those are hopeful phrases. And so for you, whatever you come in here with or you join us online with, who you are, your theology, if you call it theology, your beliefs, your understanding, whatever it is, all of it is welcome. And it is welcome because of wonder and imagination and what we're gonna talk about in a moment. Does that make sense? Is everyone okay? Like you may not have answers as you leave here. And if you really, really need answers to think, we can talk. But I have no desire to give you answers. My desire today is to invite you on our faith journey and to figure out what that looks like. Um, So, Moving on from wonder, I'm gonna let you know a little bit of fun church history stuff. Ready? It's actually not fun. If you've ever worked in a church, one of uh, the things that always happens when we're doing spiritual formation and discipleship and stuff, there's always this graphic that is a mountain. Um, You start at the bottom of the mountain and there's always like a little phrase that goes with it. It's like at the bottom of the mountain, you get your gear and you like put on your backpack. And then as you journey through your faith, you go up the mountain and then you might get to a thing that they call like base camp or something. If you've ever like climbed a mountain, you you don't just go to the top. And so at base camp, that may be where you learn the Bible, and it may be where you learn how to lead other people, or you learn more stuff, and then you keep going and eventually get to the top of the mountain. And here's my issue 
with this image. When you get to the top of the mountain, there is never an image of how to come off the mountain, and they don't ever actually talk about that, ever. It is just you go up this one triangle-shaped mountain, because all mountains are that shape, and then you eventually magically end up at the bottom. And normally it's an arrow that goes from the top down to the bottom, and that arrow that doesn't really exist in life is like when you choose to take all the things you did and you learned and you took with you on this journey, and you go back to the bottom of the mountain and you take people on their journey up and down the mountain. I think that is silly. Also, that's exhausting. So in my head, when I think about faith formation and our spiritual journeys, I think of it as like this really, I'm about to be kind of dorky, this big map. And it's this map where if you follow any type of like wonder fi- or fiction, where it's got all these different creatures and all these different worlds, there's always this map where like the elves live over here and giants are over here and some creature that someone made up that they thought was cool lived over here, but they're all on the same map. But where the elves live look very specifically for the elves. Does that make sense? And then the giants is obviously for the giants. I think spirituality is like that. It's a landing space where you get to roam where you need to based off of what you bring to it. It's also a space where you can go explore something else. You don't have to stay there. There is no expectation to stay in one space. I think when we stay in one space, we stifle who we are and who God can be in the world. When we feel like we have to have answers, we would literally start putting God and ministry back into a box that almost every single one of us in this space and online have been trying to break out of. Here's the thing we cannot do in progressive space. We cannot put God into just a bigger box. Like that cannot happen. And so what do we do with this as we come in here? It means we may not have all the same theology. It means we may not have the same understanding of who God is or if there is a God or heaven or hell or what to do with the Bible or all of these things. And that's not bad. I think it's really beautiful. I think it invites us into this space where we get to actually be a part of the journey. If you come into this space and you're not sure there is a God, you are just as loved as those people who are very confident of their their feelings with God and can act on it. One is not better than the other. Because if faith is truly a journey, it is a journey. And it's a journey that you get to take, not one I get to dictate. It is a journey that you get to explore, not one where I tell you this is how you have to do it, but I do think it is a journey that we take with each other. And to me, that is what all of this is about. And so when we ask kids, if you've ever worked with kids, um, they ask a lot of questions. (laughs) So my question, you can answer out loud if you want to, or online in the chat, I want you to try to put an answer to this. How many questions a day, this has been researched, do children ask? And we're going to say children like K through 12, which means high schoolers also. How many questions a day do you think they ask? Too many? That is the correct answer. 42? How many did you all say? 150? We have a 200. This is almost like an auction, but it's not. Um, what? Any other answers? Okay. Um, So if you were in the first service, I gave you a number. It was an estimate number. I just looked it up to confirm. It is an average of 350 questions a day. If all the ones who have children are like, yeah, mine may be on that top end. Remember, that's the average. That means there are children who ask way more questions than that. Okay? So here's here's the thing. When kids ask questions, they ask questions for a few reasons. One, they are exploring a new 
space, time in life that they may have never experienced before. When they go to it and experience it, they're asking questions about what is happening. They've never been in that moment. And so it's obvious, like, cool, we've never done this. And then they also ask questions because they've been there before and now it's different and they're reoriented. And then sometimes they ask questions because they ask questions and they want to know and they have ideas and imagination. And what I love about kids' questions, even all the way up, and I love about our questions too, is it's this innocence of trying to figure out something. There's not always the desire to seek a defined answer. Sometimes it's the, like if you notice in what they were talking, it's a lot of, I wonder if. That is a lot of the spaces that they learn. I can ask a group of kids, all the way up to high school, even to college, if you could have, this is my favorite question in the world, if you could have any animal as a mode of transportation, real or mythical, what would it be? And kids have answers immediately. Uh, Middle school and high school, eh, they have ideas because they want to know how weird they can go with the answer, right? And then we ask adults, normally this is what y'all give me, um, something that can fly and it's something very basic and something that's fast on the land. But here's the follow-up question. If you give me a tiger, I'm going to ask you, how are you going to ride that tiger? Does it have a harness? Did you shrink it? Did it get bigger? Does it like, I need to, I have so many more questions. The beautiful thing, and that's very honest, like that is, if you know me, that is a very real thing. So uh, just be careful if you want to be friends. (laughs) The really cool thing about this, though, is like when kids are talking, um, and you know this, you don't have to really enjoy being around kids to understand that they are so creative. So think back to your your childhood, Um, even if that was just like a couple years ago. What were the things that you were dreaming about? Who did you want to be when you grew up? What was the world like? What were the crazy big questions you were asking? And a lot of those questions aren't like the deep life-changing ones of like, how do we fix poverty? They're also asking those questions. And so what can we learn from our kids when it comes to imagination and wonder? In the scripture in Mark, there's this moment where Jesus is talking to people and in context, when we know Jesus is talking to a crowd, we're actually only counting um, the dudes. That's, that's normally it. But there's other people. And you'll notice that very rarely in most translations will they ever include the children. Children weren't people. They were more property. They were more like a family unit, um, head of the house type structure. Um, so if you counted like the dad, you counted the rest of them without seeing them and knowing them. And so in Mark, it talks about if you want to receive the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, don't, don't get caught up in the language of what that means. But it says, if you want to receive this, you have to receive it like a child or you're not going to enter. That's a general paraphrase. And I think that's fascinating because a lot of times that's used on children's sermons of like, you have to be like children and childlike faith. And I don't think we know what childlike faith means because children are scared and anxious and nervous. And then they're also can turn around and be the most excited, joyful, gleeful things. Then they can be sad and then they can be this and they have big questions and they wonder and they have all this, but we just expect them to kind of take it and run with it and, and accept our answers. One of the things that they're doing in the back today is they're being invited to ask every question they can come up with, which is a lot. It's just a lot of questions, just so you know. 
But what I love about that one line is that it was important enough to acknowledge that the people who have the answer of how to do this Jesus-y thing, this new way of living, were the kids. They were the ones who had the answer. And what's fascinating is they weren't the ones being talked to. They weren't the ones that were receiving sermons or instructions. They weren't the ones that anyone in society was expecting to lead the way. And and what I love about this, it's like if you want to understand this Jesus thing, this new way of living, this new way of loving people, understand it like kids do. And sometimes kids are not perfect. We know that. But I tell you, they are way more tolerant and accepting than most adults are. They understand things and are willing to push into the fact that they don't have answers. And if they do have answers, when you give them space to confidently lead into it, it's like world changing for them. I think there's something really amazing about the fact that they are okay with the unknown. Which is fascinating because progressive Christianity should be the space we are totally okay with the unknown. Albert Einstein has this quote that he's attributed to that essentially says that knowledge, like imagination is more important than knowledge, which is, I don't like, uh, to be very honest, because I'm a four with a five wing, so I want to research all this stuff um, all the time. And it's like, I will look it up immediately. Give me the answer. Where are they in that city, in that Netflix episode? I need to know all the details in the president and the Capitol and what their flag is all the time. I'm not, I'm not joking either. Um, that I need the knowledge. But so he says that uh, imagination is more important than knowledge because knowledge is limited. It's the things we already know. It's the things... That, is, that can be overwhelming, and that can be really, really big, and it is absolutely scary. Because for most of us, we were told we needed to save the world, to save their souls, to get them to a place that you may or may not believe in anymore, to get them to something bigger than themselves. And I wasn't raised in that, but I know enough people who were raised that as a kid, they were, to ta- they were taught to save other people, to tell them the good news, because what if you don't, and what if something happens to them? And so I want to tell you from all the authority I have today that you do not have to save anyone's soul. And you can let that go. You do not have to hold on to it anymore. And you never were responsible for all of humanity. And I believe that. I believe our job in life is to love others and to be a reflection of love in all the spaces and places that we can, do all the good we can in all the ways we can, by all the means we can, in all the places that we can, which is a very big paraphrase of John Wesley, um, founder of the Methodist Church. To do all the things you can in all the ways you can, which means it might have limits for you, and that's okay. There's no guilt or shame. So when we talk about questions, really big, beautiful questions that kid asks, okay? I want to go back to that space. My favorite question I've ever been asked by a kid is if God has a big, colorful mustache. (laughs) That kid asks a lot of questions. Um, So I did not know where this question was coming from, but they kept asking over and over again about God's mustache, God's mustache. So finally, we ask, what do you mean? Um... And I just gave it like a flippant answer of like, I don't know. I, this is, I don't know what this is. And what we realized is this kid was claiming uh, the rainbow as God's mustache. 
And so anytime they saw a rainbow, they immediately connected it to God because it's an arch, you know, like a mustache. And so when we just dismissed this answer, it actually kind of broke the kid a little bit because we were saying this really big, beautiful thing that they were amazed by was no longer connected to God. And so I will forever think about rainbows as God's mustache, which also feels very gay, just to be very honest. Um, I think it's really beautiful. But I've had questions like that over and over from kids because they have the desire to move into something new, to break through and discover something new. Imagination and wonder cannot be something we just sit with and keep it in our heads and think about it. And if you're a person that needs to just sit and think, sit and think. But some of us, we're ready to do something next. And so holy imagination, the space where we take these things, the knowledge, and we let things stir up inside of us, to the point we have to do something. There's this concept called the bystander effect, which is one of my favorite sociological things. This idea that no one is going, like if something's happening, no one is going to do anything. Everyone's gonna be the bystander until one person breaks through that moment and crosses in to do something. Then there will normally be a flood of people who help. And I see it happen over and over and over again. And so when I think about the bystander effect, I think about pride a lot. I think about how pride started. The space with where Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Riviera, these people who decided that this was enough. And they were not the only ones, there were others. But this one moment at Stonewall where it was enough, we couldn't take it anymore. And like, this has to change. And other people had done stuff. But for them to step up as women of color, in this space, in a world that already didn't see them, that still does not see them, and will not see them until we do something about it, decided that we have to do more. And they did. And they received resistance with all the people that were with them. And then we get into these spaces where we have protests after protests for LGBTQAI plus rights, and we're still having to do that. And it started way before Tennessee decided to be dumb in a lot of ways. And these people kept breaking through. That is holy imagination moving into justice. That is a space where you take all the things that you're feeling that are stirring up inside of you and say, I can't do this anymore. And I have to ask the big questions, the wonder moments of what if. What if is not bad? What if is that moment where we break through into justice, where the world changes? where people's lives are actually seen and valued and not just in the month of June when we say it's pride. It is a moment in time where it's not just about voting that one time for that one law, for that one thing to happen, and then walk away when it doesn't pass. It's about standing up every single moment and saying, this is the world we wanna create. It's a holy imagination. And I call it holy because I think it is something connected to the divine, something big inside of us, because I think we are holy. And so what does that look like for you? What does that look for Grace Point? What does that look like for us as progressive Christians? I don't know. And that is a totally okay answer. It's okay that you don't know what to do next. But I think we have to keep trying. And I think we have to keep thinking. And I think we have to keep wondering, what if? Because I would have hated to think that all the people who've made any justice movement at any point in time in any of history, if they would have just been a bystander, what would have happened? I think someone else at some point would have broken through and done something. But we don't have to wait on those people to do stuff. 
We can do that. And the best thing about it is you are still not called to save the world. I do not believe that. I do believe we are called to love. And so if you are the person who has the resources and has the means and has the passion to go do the things, go do the things. And if you're the person that's like, I just have one question and is that, is God real? Cool, stay there, ask the questions. You are not on this linear journey that takes you to the mountain and brings you right back down. You're in this journey where you get to be where you are, you get to roam where you are, you get to be involved with the world around you. Remember, Jesus did not travel super far. Jesus literally ate with the people he was around. He loved the people he was near. He invited them to something more, and that is literally what we get to do. That is it. Invite people to remember that they were loved in the very beginning. They have always been loved and reminding them that they are created in love. There is no piece of who you are and who they are that is bad, in my opinion. I think we have made some decisions that are not great. But in all reality, I think that we are created in the image of divine love. And so if nothing else today, I invite you just to love someone else a little bit more than you would before, even if that's yourself. Yeah. And it's going to be okay. And so if you want to be a part of holy imagination change, get involved. I don't know what it looks like, but we can talk about it. And if you're the type of person who just needs to sit still, sit still. The best thing about it is that God is with us, God is for us, and God is on our side. And that means always and forever. And so all of the people here, I want you, and online, I want you to say one last thing as the band gets ready to come up here. I want you to take a deep breath first. Relax your shoulders because you are pretty tense. Okay? I want you to know that it's, you're enough. And I'm going to say that to you over and over and over and over again. If you have ever been told you're, you don't belong in the church, please, we are proof that you do. You always have. If you're in a space that is not loving and affirming in person or online, please know that there are spaces, and Grace Point is not the only one, but we are connected to others. If you're in a space where you have other people who are hurting and struggling in any way, shape, or form, reach out, love them, take care of them, and take care of yourself. You are not to save the whole world. You are okay. Do what you can. Love other people in the means that you have. And Pride is going to be an amazing time to celebrate. And so celebrate like crazy. Allies, come hang out. It's great. It's fun. Thank you all.